can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hey guys, it's Rudy Stankwitz, and I don't know if it's just me or not, so, you know, fire me off an email and let me know, talkingpools at gmail.com, but it seems like Thursdays are coming quicker and quicker and quicker as we enter July. We're in the season. I know most of us are running around out there trying to find product, things we need just to take care of our customers, things that we have on back order. We're having to run from distributor to distributor on this massive friggin' scavenger hunt. It's a little bit like trying to catch a fart in a hurricane with a butterfly net. It is Thursday, and on Thursdays we talk about CPO stuff, and this Thursday is no different. But before we dive into that, if you do need a CPO certification class, hit me up on my website, cpoclass.com. Click on the CPO certification schedule page. There you will see a listing of all of my CPO classes, both live, in person, and those that I hold virtually. So you can take one of my CPO classes from anywhere in the world that you can get an internet connection. And of course, all of my classes start at 11 a.m. Eastern. So that way they are Pacific Coast friendly. If you want to practice, doesn't matter who your instructor is. If you signed up for somebody else's CPO class, well, shame on you. But we'll take care of you anyway. There's a link on my page, cpoclass.com, that says CPO practice test. Click on that link. I have flashcards. I have a practice test. I have downloads. I have worksheets. I have practice math and some other courses that you can take quick courses at either a nominal or no fee whatsoever that you can use to hone your skills either before you go into the class that you can use for your employees for training, even if you don't want to send them to get certified. There's still a massive benefit there, as well as on my site, onlinepoolclasses.com. Onlinepoolclasses.com. I have some great things there as well that can help in training your new hires or help you to brush up your skills if it's something that you haven't talked about in a while because you know we learn tons of things but unless you're using them every day out in the field sometimes those things fade a little bit they're still in there but they get stored in a closet way in the back and we got to take them out and dust them off and send them on the street so that's what we got there cpoclass.com hit me up there for a cpo certification class if you need one hit me up there for the cpo practice test tab so you can get all that prep material, whether it's for the course or just for training. And then, of course, I do have onlinepoolclasses.com as well. Now, before our subject, which is pool water problems, I need to take care of my pool guy coffee problem, and I suggest you do the same.
We've spoken about this before. If you listen to every single episode that we have across this program, there'll be a little bit of overlap. But I promise you, you'll get new information out of it as well. So when we're talking about pool water problems, that's when you need to think about more than just the pool. If you make everything just about the pool, you're going to be missing some vital information. We talk about out-of-the-box thinking. I've brought this up before. Is not a pool simply a box filled with water? I need you to think outside the box. I need you to think outside the pool. I need you to take environmental factors into consideration because if you do not, you're missing the majority of the information you need to make a correct diagnosis and handling the water in that pool. You have to stop. You have to look around. You have to look up. You have to look down. You have to look left. You have to look right. It is not all about the water. It's a lot about the water, but it's a lot about a lot of other things as well. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I care just as much about the water going into the pool as I do the water that's already in it. I'm not talking about rain. I'm talking about your fill water. Anytime you lose water due to evaporation, you're adding water to top that level off. Whatever is in that fill water is being added to the pool. And whatever is in there is going to grow in intensity. Because when you lose more water due to evaporation, you only lose water. You don't lose the things that are added. So, for example, if your fill water has a slight iron level. Over time, your pool is going to develop a significant iron level. So it's good to know that it's there so we can come up with a plan of attack. It's all about preventing what's going on. Don't just be a reactive pool person. You want to be a professional who plans ahead, and knowing what's in that fill water is going to be a huge part of that battle. It could be a copper level. It could be a manganese level. Yes, we want to check that also. I want to know if I have a saltwater pool, if there's magnesium in my fill water. Because if there's magnesium in my fill water, when the magnesium passes through the salt cell, it's subject to electrolysis, just like everything else that passes through that cell, up to and including the water. So when magnesium passes through the salt cell, water also passes through. Water dissociates into both hydroxide and hydrogen gas. The hydrogen gas bubbles off. That's what drives up the pH, at least part of what's driving up the pH, the bubbling hydrogen gas. That bubbling creates turbulence. Turbulence causes the aqueous carbon dioxide in the solution to outgas. That's what we get the increase in pH from. The hydroxide that's left from that H2O after the hydrogen left can bond with magnesium and give us magnesium hydroxide. Not an end-of-the-world problem, but it's good to know that it's there because you can alert your customer to the fact that it's there. Because if there should be a spike in pH, you are going to end up with a precipitant that looks a little strange. It looks a lot like a white paste settling on the floor of the pool. And it can be alarming to the homeowner. Even if you explain it to them, it can be alarming when they see it happen. And, of course, the solution here is good pH control. But the way that you can tell that it's in there, you can test for magnesium right out of the filled water, plan ahead. 
or you could be a little less proactive. And when you're running your calcium hardness test, when you're adding the drops to titrate, if you see that the test solution starts to coagulate, you get all those little purple chunks and purple dots floating around. That is an indication that there is magnesium hydroxide present in the water. And I know when my pH spikes, I'll get a precipitant. It can be easily vacuumed out. And as long as we keep the pH in check, it's not a problem and it won't happen. But you know better. With a saltwater pool, there's a good chance when you go back next week, that pH is going to be high. So at least we can give the homeowner a heads up. Can you do anything about it? No. But at least we know that it's there. If we see that we have copper in our fill water, even a slight amount, again, over time, what we're going to end up with is a pretty decent level, which means because we do have a maximum acceptable level here, you're going to need to check the copper level in that pool on a regular basis because we don't want it to exceed that one part per million that you're permitted to have. However, if there is copper in the water, and this one you should look for also, because copper exists in water as hexa-aqua copper, that's the compound. It's one copper ion and then six water molecules, giving you the hexa-aqua, six water molecules, one copper, hexa-aqua copper. If you add chlorine to that body of water, or even if you add muriatic acid to that body of water, and I'll explain that in a second, but if you add chlorine to that body of water, four chlorine atoms can displace the six water molecules, and you'll go from hexa-aqua copper, which is a bluish color, to a perfectly beautiful Statue of Liberty green colored water. And it's a green colored water, just like I call it Statue of Liberty green, because it is Statue of Liberty green. Because if you think about the Statue of Liberty, we know that it's green because it's oxidized copper. And we just did the same thing in our swimming pool. What you get is something that looks like Gatorade. Water that's crystal clear, that has a tint of color to it, is indicative of a metal level in that body of water. When I added the chlorine, it displaced the water molecules, added chlorine, tetrachlorocuprate, now I have a green pool. How could muriatic acid do the same thing? Simple. Muriatic acid is hydrochloric acid, which is HCl. When you add that to water, what you get is hydrogen and chloride. The hydrogen is what drives the pH and the total alkalinity down. The chloride, if you add chloride to water when you have hexa-aqua copper, that four chloride ions displacing six water molecules will give you that tetrachlorocuprate, and you might see that a dose of acid turns that pool completely green. Crystal clear but green nonetheless. If you end up with red, brown, or black water, crystal clear water with a tint of color to it, I know I'm looking at an iron problem. Where does this iron come from? Well, it either came from my fill water, which I could have detected and known that this was coming, so I could have had a plan in place to head it off, or it could come from other things, like red cedar mulch, for example. If your customer puts red cedar mulch around their pool and they do end up getting runoff into the pool water, we know red cedar mulch doesn't come that color. They dye that. We also know it doesn't stay that color because that red color tends to leach out when it gets wet, especially when it's brand new. Did you know they dye red cedar mulch with iron oxide? That runoff is nothing but iron-laden water. And if it gets in the pool, you can end up with water with a tint of color. You could also end up with potential staining. Why would I care that there was manganese in the water? Oxidized manganese can turn the water purple. 
It'll look like Barney exploded in, and a lot of people pay a lot of money to get their pool to look like that for a short time, and it's all fun and games until they're staining, and then all of a sudden, that's when you're going to hear about it. Plus, who wants a purple pool anyway? I don't know, maybe Prince? Here's the big concern with that, because eventually that'll go away, and that'll fade, and that'll reabsorb into the water, but it does have the potential to reappear every single time you add chlorine to that pool, as long as there's a manganese level in that pool, and that can come directly from your tap. Also, in the cases where there's well water, a lot of people with well water will use permanganate to treat for iron bacteria, which is a real nasty-looking orange sludge that appears on everything. But they'll add that, and if that gets in your filled water when you oxidize that, that will turn that pinkish-purple color as well. Here's the thing. When you're running your DPD test for chlorine, DPD number two is a powerful oxidizer. We just said when manganese is oxidized that it turns pinkish purple. Those five drops from DPD number two in that sample of water, if that sample of water contains manganese, will also turn pinkish purple. And when you hold your test block up to the lights of the northern horizon and see that pinkish purple color, you're going to be 100% certain that you have a chlorine level. But the truth of the matter is, is if manganese is present, you might not. It could be a false positive level. And that's a problem if you're trying to keep chlorine in a pool. If you don't really know if you have any or not, if it looks like you do and you don't, that could lead to algae disaster. That could lead to a mega algathon right there in your pool, in your backyard. Okay, you know it's there. What the hell are you going to do about it? We have discolored water. We have metals in the water. The first thing you need to do is determine what type of metal you have in your water. Yes, it matters because it will help us to prevent other problems, at least treat other problems as they come up down the road. You could go with a sequestering agent. Sequestering agents do a great job of keeping the metals in the water so they don't precipitate out and cause problems. It's a preventative. It's not a guarantee, but you could use a sequestering agent. Sequestering agents are typically phosphate-based chemicals. You'll be adding phosphates to the water. Good news, the phosphates contained in sequestering agents are not the type that algae use. but over time, through chlorination, it can degrade to orthophosphate, which is algae food. And you know the deal. If you build it, they will come. Well, you build a buffet and see who shows up. Chelating agents work a little bit differently. A chelating agent enables you to, to filter that metal from the water over time. It bonds to the metal. It gives you something that you can filter from solution. And then through backwashing your pool over time, you will slowly reduce that metal level in the water. That is, if you have found the source of the metals and then corrected that. If it's in your fill water, it's going to be constantly added to the water. Guess what? That chelating agent just became part of your protocol of care at that swimming pool because now we're not trying to eliminate it. We're trying to control it. We have no other choice. It's constantly coming in every time we top off the pool. We have to do our best to control it and keep it at as low a level as we possibly can. 
let's say the worst thing happened, the worst of the worst, some of these metals did precipitate out and we ended up with staining in our pools. We have to get them out. There's a reason a lot of pool professionals carry a bottle of vitamin C tablets around with them in their glove box. Tablets, not capsules. Capsules would be silly, so we don't do that. But we want a bottle of vitamin C tablets. If we have an iron stain in the pool, I can tell you ascorbic acid will remove an iron stain. The way the iron stain got there, of course, when we oxidize it with chlorine, or it can actually even be oxidized from water over time, we go from ferrous iron to ferric iron. Ferric iron is the solid. We don't want the solid. We, if it's going to be there, we want it to be ferrous iron. But when we oxidize ferrous iron, we get ferric iron. That's what precipitates out and gives us the stain. We stripped an electron away, and now we have something that is not soluble that gives staining. Ascorbic acid is a natural electron donor. When you add ascorbic acid to your pool to treat a stain, what you're doing is giving back that electron that chlorine took away. And that's what enables you to bleach out that stain. But it's not cheap. It's not the most expensive process for a swimming pool, but it's definitely not the least expensive. And it is time-consuming, and it does have a few steps. You're going to lower your chlorine level, add the dose, your chlorine level is going to have to ride low until the staining is removed. Thank goodness, if it is staining that is removable, it'll remove it fairly quickly, and then you can bring your chlorine level back up. Ascorbic acid is a chlorine neutralizer, so please don't overdo this. It will linger in the water and create a demand if you add too much, all your chlorine, and it could take a significant amount of time before you are able to maintain a chlorine level once again. I did say if it's a removable stain. The problem with a stain is the longer a stain is in place, the more it becomes part of the pool. So if you have a stain that's been in place for a really long time, there's chances are you're not going to be able to remove that with some product that you add to the water. In that case, to remedy the problem, you're looking at removing the water and then acid washing the pool, which is a whole other subject. We'll talk about that later on. Yes, I said ascorbic acid for iron stains. So the way we test this, vitamin C tablets are ascorbic acid. Find a spot, get yourself a tab, rub the tab lightly on the iron stain. If you see the stain removed, I know treating the pool will work. I don't want to make the investment if it's not going to work. So if there's any possible way I can test a small area first... I want to do that, and this is the way we do that. You take a vitamin C tablet, rub it lightly on the stained area. If the stain comes out, I know I have my solution. We'll be good to go. And then I can go forward with lowering the chlorine level, adding the dose of product, waiting the appropriate amount of time, and, of course, then we follow that with a sequestering or chelating agent because we don't want those metals we just removed from the surface to precipitate back out again. Ascorbic acid does not work that well in removing copper stains. And copper stains can be a bunch of different colors depending on what exactly the chemistry, chemical process in the water was that occurred the stains to appear. When we're dealing with copper staining, now we get a little bit into the physics of metals. We have a copper stain. It's either blue, teal, reddish purple, whatever, black, blotchy staining. That's that cupric oxide staining you get when you add a dose of calcium hypochlorite or granule trichlor when there's a level of copper in the water. Aluminum sulfate. Go to your local supermarket. 
purchase a small thing of McCormick's alum from the spice aisle, bring it to the pool, or keep that in your glove box too so you're ready to go, ready to test. Sprinkle a little bit over it, of it over the stained area. When you look at the reactivity series of metals, aluminum is more reactive than copper, so the aluminum present in the aluminum sulfate actually has the ability to displace copper, and it will remove that copper staining. Again, depending on how long that stain has been in place. Now, if you have a pool that's massively stained, obviously there's not enough product in that little McCormick's container. You also don't want to have to buy 5,000 of these things. That's when you hit up your local pool distributor and say, Hey, I want alum! And make them bring it in for you. Make them order it for you. You get a 50-pound bag of alum for somewhere around 35, 40 bucks. That's the going rate. That, too, we go with either a sequestering agent or a chelating agent as a chaser because we do not want those metal stains to precipitate back out. A lot of folks say, well, you know what? If the chelating agent removes the metals from the water and the sequestering agents only keeps them in solution, wouldn't it make more sense to go with a chelating agent? Yes, it does. Use the chelating agent. Staining can come from all types of things. Bobby pins. The mulch that we mentioned, look around that property, test the fill water, this way you know what's coming, look around the property for other things that could contribute to staining. I'm not talking about the tannin stains from organics, although that's a problem too, but we know we can get rid of those easily by sprinkling a little bit of chlorine over the surface, either calhypo granule trichlor, depending on the surface. Not a good move for a vinyl pool or fiberglass, but in a plaster pool, you definitely can get rid of those acorn stains that way. Look around the property. Investigate. Find the source of the metals. This pool will be a major pain in the ass until you find the source of the metals. We need to know where it's coming from. Once we figure out where it's coming from, we can either change it, have the homeowner change it, have the facility take steps to change it, and then work on removing that level of metals from the water so that way it's no longer an issue. Here's where the chelating agent comes in handy because once we resolve the issue, we can use that chelating agent to the point that we no longer have a metal level. Unless, of course, it's in our fill water. But then we know that it's something that we deal with. So if you have a 0.2 part per million level of iron in your fill water, watch that. When it gets to 0.6, now we need to do something. And guess what? Replacing water is not a bad option. If you drain it and you refill it, it'll get you back to that 0.2. Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, there's more coming. But you bought yourself a tremendous amount of time, and that might just be the maintenance on that pool. Because every pool is different. You're the doctor. The pool's the patient. You have to treat each pool as the patient. There are no cookie-cutter solutions because there are no cookie-cutter situations. You need to find out what the best treatment is for that pool. You need to determine what the best preventatives are, and the source of the problem. And once you've done that, now you're crushing it. 
That's what I have for this week. This, I guess this is going to take more than two parts to make it through this water problem session, but that's fine because I want to give it the attention that it deserves because it's a lot of big stuff you're going to see when, when you're out there in the field. And I want to make sure that not only do you get the training that you need, the education that you need, but I also want to make sure that you have things that are practical that you can apply out in the field so you can actually use this information. I don't want it to be just about a piece of paper that you hang on the wall that says you passed a two-day class. Anyway, if you're looking for the CPO certification in class and you think you'd like to take one with me, hit me up on my website, cpoclass.com. There, again, the CPO class schedule registration page or CPO certification schedule registration page. One of It says one or the other. Anyway, click on that tab. It'll bring you to that site. There it lists my in-person classes, also my virtual classes. So again, yes, you can take a CPO class with me from anywhere in the world as long as you have an internet connection. Take a look at the CPO prep page. A lot of great information there. Like I said, whether you're studying for the CPO exam, looking to brush up, or you have some new hires, a training program, you can use that entire page right there for training, and they'll need nothing else. There's a lot of things there. Combine that with my online poolclasses.com site. You got yourself a winner. Anyway, that's it for today. I will see you guys next Thursday, where we will continue on our talks about pool water problems on CPO Thursdays. Until then, be good, be safe. just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 